Welcome to Meadowbrook Church, loving Jesus by loving people. For more information about who we are, find us online at www.meadowbrook.ca. Good morning. My name is Chris. I'm the teaching pastor here. I'm excited to share with you this morning. If you have a Bible, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. If you need a Bible, there's a Bible on the pew in front of you. It's page 1177 in that Bible. We are continuing our series on spiritual warfare that we've called The Good Fight. And we are talking about uh, Jesus always, ultimately, first and foremost. We're all about Jesus here, and we're talking about who he is and what he has done for us. And with that, we are also talking about uh, what does the Bible say about the devil? What does the Bible say about angels and demons? We've spent some time there. And what are things that we can do when darkness comes, when doubt comes, when the enemy is at work, where we can actually push back? Uh, and walk out the victory that Jesus has won for us. I'm going to show you a short clip as we get ready to get going today. It's from the movie Iron Man, which you uh, maybe have seen in one of its 87 different versions that are out with all the different movies going on. But uh, in Iron Man, this character's name is Tony Stark, and he's a comic book. It's based on a comic book. And unlike most comic books, he doesn't have any superpowers. Tony Stark is a billionaire, uh, entrepreneur, inventor, techie guy. He loves technology. Uh, he builds incredible machines and robots and different things and uh, long story short he begins to look at how can I stand up against evil in the world how can I fight back uh, he's not like spider-man or Superman he doesn't have powers by which he can fight and he so he begins to work on some gadgets and things that are gonna help him uh, take a stand against evil and in the scene I'm about to show you uh, he has just seen on the news uh, we're in a different part of the world there are some terrorists and they are uh, wreaking havoc on a village and they are uh, attacking women and attacking children and uh, they are very well armed, they have machine guns and, and tanks and rocket propelled grenades and different things. So he can't go in to fight against these guys like this. And so if you want to take a stand against evil who, you know, evil people who are very well armed, uh, there's steps that you need to take. And so this is what he does as he gets ready to fight. Pretty cool. You got to suit up if you're going to go fight. You got to get ready. You got to get protected. And Tony Stark as a man can get shot in two seconds by a terrorist with a machine gun. But Tony Stark as Iron Man is protected. He has his armor on. He is ready to go. And so that, interestingly, is exactly where we're going today in God's Word. So let's look at our text. We're in Ephesians chapter 6 where God tells us we need to suit up. We need to armor up. Ephesians 6, we're starting in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. And we'll stop there. So just like Tony Stark, God's word tells us, armor up, suit up, get ready. 
for what you're facing. And there's a lot of, in the, a lot of stuff in this passage that we won't get into. Uh, we're going to focus on the armor part. But uh, we're reminded at the beginning, be strong in the Lord and in his awesome power. It's not our power. It's as we lean on him that he comes and fights in us and through us. We're also reminded that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Uh, and by that, Paul means our real fight isn't against people. And so often we spend so much of our time and our energy and our anger on people and, and fighting with people and getting uh, frustrated with people and trying to win over people and fight with people. And Paul says that's not really where the fight is. The fight is in the spiritual realm. The fight is in prayer. And so if you're going to get angry, get angry, but get angry at the devil. Don't get angry at your spouse. If you're frustrated, get frustrated, but get frustrated with the right thing. The fight is happening in the spirit. And that's not to say we don't have to walk things out in the natural and that our spouse can't do something that might legitimately annoy us. But let's keep our priorities straight. There is a fight going on in another realm, Paul says, in the heavenly realm. And so we are learning in this series how do we engage with that there. We're also reminded here that we are to pray. And he ends the passage that way. Pray at all times. Pray on all occasions. Always keep on praying for all of the Lord's saints. That's a pretty big ask uh, from Scripture. Just always be praying all the time for everybody, always, all the time in every situation. Just always be praying. But if the fight is happening in the spiritual realm, and if, if the fight is being won as God's power comes and works with us and in us and through us, then prayer is going to be the place where 90% of this battle happens. And if we're not praying, we're not fighting. And so we are reminded in this picture of spiritual warfare that Ephesians 6 gives us that it is God's power, but we have to do what we sang today. We have to call upon the Lord for that power. We have to seek him for that as he works in us and through us. So there's this picture of armor given to us and different pieces of the armor. And it's all a great metaphor, obviously, of, of spiritual principles and things that, uh, that we are to live out as followers of Jesus. But even as it is a metaphor, uh, there are very practical, real-life applications for these things. And so we're going to walk through some of that today. Uh, if you have one of our booklets, we have a, a sermon series booklet that goes along with this sermon series, and you can get those at the Hub, and you'll do a lot of that work as well this week with your uh, life groups as well. So we're just going to walk through these things. So it starts off, Paul says, put on the belt of truth. And we talked last week, last week's sermon was called The Power of the Lie, and we talked about the fact that Jesus said the devil's a liar, amen? And that the devil lies, that's just what he does. Jesus said that's his native language. He's been lying since the beginning. He is the lie. He is the father of all lies. And he lies to us about who God is. He lies to us about who we are. He lies to us about other people in our lives. And just the, the, the thought that he drops in our head that makes us really angry at that person or the, the misunderstanding that he clouds us with and the way that we look at God or the, the fear and, and low self-esteem and low self-worth that he can pile on us so that we don't know who we are in Jesus. This comes in lots of different ways. Sometimes it comes through things other people say that hurt us and wound us. They're not true, but the damage gets done. He lies in so many ways. And so to stand against that lie, to, to be kept safe in this spiritual fight, God's word says, put on the belt of truth. Because when the lie comes knocking, if we are grounded in truth, the lie can't even get in the door. And we talked about last week how where we have believed lies about God, we take in God's word, we take in the scriptures, we take in God's truth, we share God's truth with each other, we speak God's truth, we sing about God's truth in our worship, we learn about God's truth on a Sunday morning, and the more truth we take in, the better we are going to be equipped for this fight. Because when we have believed something wrong, truth can come and correct our understanding. 
And Jesus said that's exactly what would happen, that the truth would come and set you free. Where the lie binds us up, the truth comes and sets us free. And that's an amazing thing. When we believe something wrong about God and we read in the scripture or a preacher says something or you read in a book or someone says to you something that's the truth that comes against that lie, and all of a sudden we're looking at God in a whole new exciting way. And we see him as he truly is. And, and the truths about ourselves and the truths about others, that's so important. So the truth comes to tear down these lies. But even better than that, that's amazing. That was last week's message. If you missed it, you can catch up online. That's already pretty good. But even better than that is where truth actually keeps us safe so the lie can't even get in. Where we are so full of truth and we are speakers of truth and we are sharers of truth and we are readers and understanders of truth that when the lie comes, we recognize that it is not true before it has any chance to take root anywhere. And so we want to be aware of this as well. When I was first starting in ministry, it was literally my first year of ministry. And I was uh, just in training. I was in Bible college, and I was working part-time in a church, and I was learning some things. And I didn't know uh, exactly where I was going to go as a pastor, but I knew I really wanted to teach. That was a burden in my heart. And it had been affirmed by, by my parents, who I trust, and by close friends, who I trust. And so I was looking for an opportunity to start to try it. And so the first time I ever taught anything was in uh, a life group. These are groups that uh, most churches have. They meet midweek and just smaller groups of people, and you go through a Bible study or whatever. So I was asked to do some teaching at one of these studies. And so I led the Bible study one night, and it did not go overly well. It was my first time, and just like you fall off the bike the first time you try it. Uh, it was bumpy and choppy and I crammed in way too much, and it was all over the place, and so uh, it didn't go amazing, and at the end of the night, I was talking to the leader of the group, and I said, uh, I said, oh, I'm sorry, I, I, I know I did some things not great there, and, and I was so nervous, and I said, just how do you think that went? It's my first time, how do you think that went? And, and with a very good heart behind this, uh, the leader said, I just, I don't think teaching is your thing. I just, I don't think that's what you're supposed to be doing. And God has gifts for everybody. I've heard this many times in my life. Not everyone's good at everything, Chris. And, and so you'll find it, and I'm here for you. And so it was actually, it really was meant to be encouraging. Uh, and I totally get why he said that, because the night had not gone well. Uh, and yet that didn't happen to be the truth for me. That just didn't happen to be the truth. But I had enough truth in me of my sense of God's call, and, and it was affirmed by others, uh, that even though that wasn't the truth, it wasn't allowed to, to derail me or stick to me. I just knew, man, I really need to buckle down. I need to, to learn more about how to do this. I need to pray more. I need to get better at this. And so uh, the lie was not allowed to stick because the truth was there to keep me safe. And so we honor the fact that God could use the truth to tear down lies, and that's a continual work in progress in all of our lives. But even better, as the armor of God, the truth keeps us safe when we're just so full of God's truth that the lie can't even get in the door. That's what way more efficient at, at dealing with lies in our lives. And when we have a belt, if you've got a belt on right now, you know you want that belt pretty snug, right? If the belt's too big, that doesn't help you at all. Your pants are down around your ankles. And so you want the belt tight around your waist. The belt often kind of ties the whole thing together, the whole outfit. And so we want the truth snug in our life. We want to be deeply committed to this. So we want to be readers of God's truth, uh, meditators on God's truth. We want to participate in this together as a church where we sit under teaching and we join our, our life groups and we learn together, we grow together, and not just that, we want to be speakers of the truth. We want to live with truth, not even just in the straight scriptural sense of God's word is truth, but just we want to be truth tellers in our life. We don't want to be those who tell half-truths and fudge the facts and exaggerate and try and try and kind of get what we want without telling the whole truth maybe because it's just easier to tell a half lie. Uh, we want to be people of truth. 
and we want to do that, and that's going to help keep us safe from things that the enemy wants to do in our lives. We're told to put on the breastplate of righteousness, and this is the big piece of armor that covers some of our most important parts, right? It covers our heart and our lungs and a lot of our organs, and so this is a big deal. Um, there are two sides to this one a little bit, because righteousness looks two different ways for those of us who follow after Jesus. The Apostle Paul says this in Philippians 3, verse 9. He's been saying, we need to press after God, we need to push through. He says, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from obeying the law, God's law, God's word, but a righteousness which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. And this is such a great picture of, of the gospel that we believe in as followers of Jesus. And it sounds so counterintuitive uh, to everything that you would think would make common sense, where we in the gospel don't earn our own way to heaven. It's not if I do X, Y, and Z, I will be good enough in God's eyes. Paul say, Paul's saying, you know, I don't have a righteousness of my own that comes from obeying God's word. That's not why God calls me righteous. I have a righteousness that comes from God. It is the gift of God to me. And in God's eyes, I become righteous. And it's the worst trade in history for Jesus. And it's the best trade in the world for us where we bring all of our sin and all of our brokenness and all of the stupid things that we've done and all the ways that we've turned away from God and all the ways that we've hurt other people. And we bring all of that. And Jesus says, I will take that. Give that to me. And in return, I'll give you my righteousness, my perfection, everything good, every spiritual blessing. You can have all of that. We give him all of our junk. He gives, him, he gives us all of his goodness and all of his grace and all of his mercy and all of his forgiveness. And so in the standing of God right now, I am fully righteous in his eyes. I am fully righteous, not because I did it on my own, but because he has given me his gift of righteousness. So in heaven's courts right now, if my judgment day were to happen right now, the verdict would be righteous in God's eyes. Fully righteous, not because I've earned it, but because he has given it. As I have put my trust in him, as I have put my faith in him, that gift of perfect righteousness becomes mine. That's good news. Is that in God's eyes, I am set right now. And so in that sense, that righteousness keeps us safe in warfare because I know who I am. I know where I stand with God. And where Satan would love for me to think, I'm, I'm not good enough to come to church. I'm not good enough to pray. How could God ever forgive what I just did? How can I call myself a Christian when I still struggle with sin sometimes? And this deals with all of that. Because I stand upon the righteousness that's not mine. My own righteousness actually is irrelevant because I've received the gift of God that makes me perfect in his eyes. If I were to die today, I'm going straight to heaven. And righteousness is the only thing allowed into heaven. And so I've been made righteous in him. It, it clothes me. I am covered in that. And so that's going to keep me safe in the fight, knowing that and trusting that. But there's another side of this righteous coin. And that's even for those who have received that gift of goodness and righteousness that is ours by faith. We are also called, even in the New Testament, to pursue righteousness in how we live our lives. Because even though in heaven's courts I am guilt-free and clear, I know that as I live my life here on earth, I still stumble and struggle and sin. And we all do. And the Bible says that we all do. That in heaven's eyes we're perfect. On earth we got some work to do still. 
And so we are in this process of becoming more like Jesus, of, of working the sin out of our lives, of working out our salvation with sin and trembling, of pursuing holiness and righteousness, and, and we are in a continual process of doing that. But even this righteousness, which doesn't save me, but this righteousness will also keep me safe in the spiritual battle. Because the Bible says, I have been taken out of the kingdom of darkness. I have been brought into the kingdom of light. I've gone through a kingdom transfer when I said yes to Jesus. And so I don't belong to Satan anymore. I belong to Jesus now, and I am safe and secure there. However, uh, there is still this pull to go back to my old ways. There is still this pull to go back into sin. And where I've been rescued out of darkness, every time I choose sin, I wander back into the darkness again. I go back onto the enemy's turf. And when I go back onto the enemy's turf, I open myself up. I open the door to get afflicted. Uh, even if it's nothing more than just the guilt and condemnation that come as we do that. And so as I pursue righteousness, I've received the gift of righteousness. But if I don't wander into enemy territory, I don't open that door for him to afflict. If I choose the righteous path, I'm going to be kept safe. Because there's going to be no way for the enemy to, to reap the consequences of my bad choices on me. So no one does this perfect. Again, we're a work in progress. But basically, it's we are sinners. God is righteous. God has called us righteous. And we are wanting to look more and more righteous as we walk with Jesus longer and longer. Uh, we should be working these sins out of our lives. We should be striving towards purity and holiness and choosing the Christ-like way. And so every time I'm obedient to God's word, uh, that's an act of warfare. Every time I choose the right path, even if it's harder, that's an act of warfare. Every time I choose the more loving way or the more gracious way, the more Christ-like way, that's an act of warfare. And as I make those choices, I am kept safe in righteousness because my sin is not bringing consequences into my life. So this pursuit of righteousness is also going to keep us safe. We're also told to make sure our feet are fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And sometimes in teaching on this topic, we talk about uh, the peace, the peace that keeps us safe. And that's actually not what Paul says. He says that your feet would be fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, one of the names of the gospel. Now, there is another passage that talks about peace protecting us uh, in the fight. And we'll just go there for a quick second. Paul talks about in Philippians, he says, be anxious for nothing. Easier said than done. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything. With prayers and petitions, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So in all things, no matter what, pray. And, and a petition is just when you're asking for something, right? Ask God for the things that you want to ask for. Pray and petition him. Ask him for things. We're called to do this in Scripture. He's not too busy. It's not that he doesn't care. He says, come, ask for these things. And so with prayers and petitions, but not just that, with thanksgiving, bring your prayers and petitions to God. Because in thanksgiving, we take our eyes off ourselves and we get our eyes on him, right? We take our eyes off the bad stuff in our life and we begin to focus on the good stuff. And where it's easy to feel overwhelmed by circumstances, thanksgiving forces us to find the good and to see where God is at work. Even if it's not happening in every way that I would like or it's happening uh, slower than I would like or it's not happening as, as, as detailed as I would like, in thanksgiving, we are, are forcing our eyes off of ourselves. We are forcing our eyes off of our circumstances and we're fixing our eyes on Jesus. So with prayers and petitions and thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts 
and your minds in Christ Jesus. There's a protective quality to the peace of God, and it surpasses understanding. There are times where, you know, we're going through awful things. We're going through sickness. We're going through uh, death. We're going through terrible circumstances. We're going through financial struggles. Whatever is stressful for us, and God's Word promises, there's a peace that surpasses understanding that's available for you. And it never ceases to blow me away when I'm at a funeral home, which is pretty regularly, when I'm at a hospital bed, which is pretty regularly. And for those who know the Lord, how much easier those seasons in life are. And they will say things like, I have peace now. I shouldn't have any, but I, I'm at peace. Because God's promise, there's a peace that surpasses understanding. There's a peace that doesn't make sense, but that is there anyway. When your circumstances should be giving you agitation and fear and worry, there is a peace available that will guard your hearts and guard your minds. There is a peace that keeps us safe. But it's not in the armor of God. So that was a sidebar. I just wanted to mention that because I know that comes up sometimes. What Paul says is make sure your feet are fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. It is the gospel that helps keep us safe. Because in the gospel, which just means good news, that word, light has broken out into this dark world. Heaven has come down into this dark world. The gospel is that Jesus came down and walked among us and lived the life that we live and faced the temptations that we face and got wounded as we are wounded got broken as we are broken, felt pain like we felt pain. And as he did that, he goes to the cross. And in the cross, he does that great transaction that we just talked about, where he says, give me all your sin, and I'm going to nail it to that cross and take it away so that you can be forgiven, you can be made right in the eyes of God. I can remove the stain and consequence of your sin. I will take the punishment that you deserve for that. And in exchange, I will give you my righteousness. I will give you my spirit. I will give you myself. I will give you eternal I will give you everything you need in this life. Everything you need to get through. It's good news, the gospel. And so we put our faith and we put our trust in him. We don't save ourselves, he saves us. And so that'll keep us safe because when we know that and trust in that, we're going to know who we are in him. We're going to know that even if the enemy comes and afflicts, that he can't take us out. Even though there can be fear, that doesn't get to win because there's always hope. There's always faith. We fight through. Things are going to get better. This demon is going to be brought down. The situation is going to change. The stronghold is going to crumble. The circumstances will come to line with God's word. And so we trust in faith that the gospel and everything good that that brings for us. But it's not just that, uh, you know, put on your feet the gospel of peace. He says, let your feet be fitted with the readiness. There's something about the gospel. It's been said, cliched many times, that the first part of the gospel is go. There's a motion to this. And on a battlefield, you don't want to just be sitting around doing nothing. You're an easy target. It's a lot harder to hit a moving target than to hit a stationary target. And part of the gospel is in the, the going and the sharing of it. Part of the gospel is in the spreading of the gospel, that we are all called to go. We are all called to move. And I wonder sometimes how much of the, the attacks that come in our lives and where the enemy is allowed to afflict is because we're just sitting around doing nothing. We've made ourselves easy targets. The gospel is meant to move. And Jesus said, from the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of God has been forcefully advancing. God has been invading and pushing back the kingdom of darkness. And he invites us to come and be a part of that with him. And sharing and spreading the gospel is a big part of that. Where we bring light against the darkness. The light of the good news. And as we share that, every time we share the gospel, the kingdom of darkness is pushed back. 
Even if they don't fall on their knees in that moment, even if they don't accept Jesus in that moment, it doesn't matter. Light is coming against the darkness. And good seeds are being sown, and good things are coming, and you don't know what God's going to do with that story that you shared at work. The gospel comes to push the darkness back, and we are to be a part of that. Paul writes in Romans chapter 10, verse 14 and 15, how then, he's talking about people who don't know Jesus yet, how then can they who don't know Jesus call on the one that they've not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And don't trip on that word preaching as if it's this. He just means sharing. So, so how can people believe if they haven't heard? How can they hear unless you tell them? And there are people in your life right now, I guarantee, who need to hear what you know about Jesus. And this is one area where most of us struggle to share. And yet he's saying no one's going to believe in him unless someone tells a story. You're all here, every one of us who's trusted in Jesus. You've trusted in Jesus because someone told you the story of Jesus. Someone said, this is what salvation looks like. This is what forgiveness looks like. Someone told you their testimony. Someone, whether it was a parent or whether it was a pastor or a friend or something you saw on TV or whatever, maybe all of the above together, we are all here because someone spoke the gospel out. And then we receive that gospel and we keep it bottled up in ourselves because we're worried about what other people will think. It's a little bit hypocritical of us. The gospel is meant to be shared. All of us, every single one, we are meant to share it. 2,000 years ago, Jesus said the harvest fields are white. They are ready to go. There is grain out there ready to come in. And there are people in your life who are ripe to hear what you have to say, even if it's just as simple as, hey, here's what Jesus did for me. You don't have to have a big, huge theological understanding of everything, but you know Jesus if you put your hope in Jesus. That story came about somehow. Someone needs to hear that story. The gospel is meant to be moving, and it is meant to be shared, and we all have a call to do that together. We're told to pick up the shield of faith, Scripture says. You can extinguish all the flaming arrows. It's a good picture. The fiery arrows that come, and your shield keeps you safe. And in the time when Paul wrote this, the Roman Empire was the empire that ruled the world. And they had this formation in their army that they called the tortoise formation, where the shields would all kind of come together, and it looks a little bit like a, a turtle, obviously. And so if arrows come, they can't hit the front. They'll bounce off the top. You're kept safe. And what I love about this picture is how the shields are all necessary to protect one another. Your shield doesn't just protect you, it protects the people around you. So if I'm in the front, my shield's going to protect you in the front, but you need to shield me from the top. And so I'm going to protect you here, and you're going to protect me here. And it's such a great picture of faith, because faith keeps us safe from the attacks of the enemy, but our faith needs to help each other as well. Because in faith we say, hey, I know who my God is, I know what he's promised, I know who I am, I know who you are, I know what we're called to do. Faith says, here's the mission that we're on to bring the gospel to the world. Faith says, I know who to talk to when I have a problem, I know how to pray, I know how to fight, I know all of these things. Faith is so key, and yet there are times where faith is low. And where my faith is low, you can come bring your shield, your faith, to encourage me. And when your faith is low, my faith can come and encourage you. Because when our faith is low, it's so easy to believe a lie. It's so easy to get discouraged and full of doubt. And, and when that happens, division can happen. And when that happens, deception can happen. And, and so when our faith is low, the, the hits can come hard. But when our faith is strong, we're completely secure. 
And the Bible talks about us when we have lots of faith, and it uses words like anchor and pillar, that, that no matter what comes against us, we're not shaken, we're not blown about. We are solid and we are secure, and yet when our faith is low, we can be blown around, we can be deceived, we can be caught up in things, and, and so our faith is so important. And I don't think there's a single Christ follower who would say, well, I've never had a doubt that every single prayer I've answered would automatically be answered quickly and in the way I want. We've all had moments of doubt, seasons of doubt, maybe, seasons of struggle. And that's, that's not a bad thing. I mean, it's not a good thing, but it's not, it doesn't disqualify you. It's that's when we need to come together. And when your faith is low, my faith can build you up. And when my faith is low, your faith can build me up. And, and if my shield is down because I'm having a rough season, you can come and protect me with yours and encourage me with yours so that we can do what Scripture calls us to do and, and walk this walk of faith. And it all just comes down to our trust in God. That's really what that word means. We don't just mean you believe X, Y, and Z. That's part of it. But we're saying we put our trust in God. We are in a relationship with God. We are seeking to live in the ways of God. We have put our faith, our trust in him. And one of the easiest ways we can build faith, just as we're looking at really practical things, one of the easiest ways we can build faith is just by telling the stories of what God has done in our lives. And the psalmist, if you read the Psalms, one of the reasons I love the, the book of Psalms is that there's such a real uh, transparency when there are times where David is up and God is good and he answers prayer, hallelujah, and then there's times where David is really down. He's like, where is God? I don't even see God anywhere in my life. Why aren't you answering my prayers like you used to? And, and there's this, this very real, authentic, you know, here's good times in the faith. There's harder times in the faith. David is real about all of it. He doesn't try to smooth it over with fuzzy Christian-y statements and, and pretend that he's more than he's not. When he's up and when he's confident and when he's full of faith, we know it. And when David is struggling and, and, and wondering and questioning, we know that too. We get this amazing picture of both. But yet, all throughout the Psalms as well, when David's having a low time, when he's having a, you know, God, I don't see you at work in my life. I don't see you answering my prayers. You know, evil people are after me, and it looks like they're winning, and I don't know what to do in this situation. You know, the psalmist talks about those types of things a lot. And yet, then there will be statements like, okay, but remember the Red Sea. Remember how God brought Israel safely through and punished the enemies who were trying to kill them. Remember how God hit Egypt with the plagues and brought us out into freedom. Remember when we had no food in the desert and there was manna from heaven every single morning. Remember the faithfulness of God to answer our prayers. And I might not see a ton of evidence right now, but I know he has done it in the past and he's faithful, scripture says. So if I can trust that he's done it before, I can trust that he's going to do that again. And tell these stories, the psalmist says, to your children. Let each generation share these stories to the next generation, that our faith can grow and our faith can be built, and that even in the struggling seasons, we remember the faithfulness of what God has done. Because when I'm waiting for a healing, and you tell me your story of God healing you, that builds my faith up. When I'm waiting for my circumstances to change and it looks like nothing is changing and you tell me the story of how your circumstances change, that builds my faith up. And when I'm having a moment of doubt and I, and I don't know, you know, how am I going to even hold on to this faith? It just feels like there's so little there. And you tell me the story of when you were in a similar season and how you pushed through and found faith again, that's going to build my faith up. Our shields can cover for each other. We can, we can build each other up. 
Scripture tells us that faith is something that grows. It's not something that's just stagnant where you get it once. It's something that you get, and then it grows over time. And so we can build faith in one another as we trust and as we walk with God. We're told to put on the helmet of salvation. And, and some of this is a little bit similar to the, the gospel of peace we just talked about. 2 Timothy 1.9 says this, He has saved us. You could stop right there and have a worship service just on those four words. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and his grace. We are saved by his grace. We don't earn it. We don't earn our salvation. But those four words, he has saved us. And he has saved us ultimately from everything. I mean, the basic, he saved us from hell, obviously. He has saved us from our sins. But there's much more to it than that because we are in this process now of, of being completely renovated and made new. He's promised us a new heart. He's promised us a new mind. He's promised us one day a new body, and that will happen as we get to heaven, that, that our body will be redeemed and renewed somehow. And so for those of us with aches and pains and struggles and sickness, that's good news for us there. And so we're promised to be saved on every level, emotionally, spiritually, physically, and we are in this process of being saved right now. Our eternity is set, and God is redeeming and restoring everything that has been messed up by sin. And so we are being continually renewed, continually remade, continually restored, continually made holy, continually filled with the Spirit. We are on this incredible journey of salvation. It's not just that we got our ticket punched the day we said yes to Jesus. It's that, but it's so much more than that, that we are being made into a new creation, Scripture says, that my heart is actually getting healed from the wounds of my past, that the baggage that I carry with me from years without Jesus is able to be healed and restored and released. That relationships that I thought were broken forever can actually be restored and reconciled. That there are so many amazing things all wrapped up in that word salvation. And then we are kept safe as we look to Jesus because, again, I know who I am. I know who he is. I know what he does. And so it's a lot harder for doubt to get in the door. It's a lot harder for deception to get in the door. It's harder for division to get in the door when Jesus is the center of a marriage. It's a lot harder for, for these struggles to get their hooks in us. It's not that they don't come, but they can't do the damage that they could if we didn't have that because we're standing strong in the salvation and everything that that word means. We are being saved in every way. We have, scripture talks about it in three tenses, that we have been saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved. So we were saved the day we said yes to Jesus. Our eternity was secure. We are being saved, meaning we are being re re restored and redeemed and renewed. And then we will be saved fully, either when we go to be with Jesus or when he returns. And that's when everything will come together perfectly. Uh, it's an awesome word, that word salvation. We skim over it if we've been in church for a long time. Uh, he is saving us in every way. Last one, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Uh, the scripture. And this is our weapon in the armor of God. And, and the sword can be defensive or it can be offensive. And so the word of God comes as, as part of the tools that we are given. And if you remember Jesus when he was wandering in the wilderness, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, Satan came to tempt him. And Satan was trying to get him to be selfish and trying to get him to give up the cross and trying to get him just to, to show off his power and make it all about himself. And just little ways Satan was trying to deceive him and get him off track on the destiny that Jesus had. And every time Satan came knocking, every time the temptation was there, every time it was coming against him, Jesus responded with three words. Do you remember what they were? It is written. The word of God says. 
The truth is this. And he would speak scripture against the enemy. And if you don't speak scripture against the enemy, I'm going to encourage you to speak scripture against the enemy. Because that's what Jesus did. And, and we don't need to reinvent the wheel. If we're going to be followers of Jesus, let's follow. Because we don't believe this is just a book. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is God-breathed. What a beautiful, powerful word that is. All scripture is God. God has breathed his life, his power, his character, his authority, his anointing. He has breathed something of himself into this book. And there's power when we speak it out in his name. It's the weapon that Paul says you have. It's a sword to bring against the enemy. And so when Satan came knocking against Jesus, Jesus says, it is written. Here's a scripture. Bam. And that temptation came to an end. When another temptation comes, Jesus says, it is written. Here's the scripture. Bam. And that temptation would come to an end. There is power in speaking the word of God out. Satan needs to hear it. Sometimes I pray it out just to bug him because I know he's listening. And just to be able to, to share it and declare it and say, there's something about temptation where you maybe had this moment. Temptation comes, you fall into the sin, and then once the sin is over, you go, what in the world was that? Why did I do that? I thought I was better than that. I thought I beat that. How did I fall back into that again? And it's because when temptation comes, there's a fog about it. You're not yourself fully in that moment. I mean, you're responsible still, but, but temptation, the nature of it as it comes is, this is going to make your life better. This is going to feel good. This is going to be easier. This is the easier route. You don't need to take the hard route. Take the easy way out. And we fall into the temptation, and there is power in that moment in standing up and, and speaking God's word. And in praying God's word, you hear me pray this way all the time. Father, your word says this, so please do what you've promised. You're just praying his own word back to, them, back to him. There's power in that. And the downside of it is you need to know it before you can do that. And so we've been talking through this series about making scripture a priority, where we're taking it in on our own, we're taking it in on Sunday mornings, we're taking it in a life group, hopefully, or another avenue, but we are growing in the truth, and we are growing and learning more about this thing that Scripture says is our sword by which we strike back at the enemy. It is the Word of God given to us to do this. So we want to know the Word, we want to declare the Word, we want to pray the Word, uh, and have the Word be a big part of what keeps us safe as we enter into the spiritual fight. Come on up, worship team. We're just about ready to wrap up here. We have an email address here at meadowbrookquestions at meadowbrook.ca, and uh, it's in the bulletin as well, listed there. And if you have questions about the sermon or anything else uh, going on in the series, we would love to chat with you about that. And sometimes we do it by email, sometimes we get together and have a coffee, and we would love to, to keep engaging with you on the topic, because I know it is a big one. So we are told to armor up, suit up like Iron Man. You can't fight the enemy just as you are. And, and we need to, to put these things on. And that's the key, is that we are told, put these things on. Put on righteousness. Put on the gospel of peace. Like there's an action to it. And, you know, when I get up in the morning and I have my shower and I'm getting ready for work, you know, I'm not automatically clothed. My clothes don't just fly off the closet on me. I have to actually intentionally put some clothes on. You're welcome for that on a Sunday morning. And so we need to be intentional about this. We need to be able to, to actively take steps towards righteousness, towards truth, towards the word, uh, towards all of these things, towards sharing the gospel, uh, everything that goes with that. And the fact that we're told to put these things on must mean that they're not just automatic, that there is, there is something we need to intentionally do 
in these areas. And as we went through the list today of the pieces of the armor of God, um, you know, I don't know if those are the only things that keep us safe, but there's in this passage, there's some key things there. And maybe there's some things there that you are, are doing okay at. No one's perfect at anything, but maybe there's some things where you're like, I'm doing okay in the area of God's word, or I'm doing okay uh, in the area of righteousness. I could do better, but I'm doing pretty good. But, oh, sharing the gospel, that's, yeah, I'm not doing so well there. And part of the message today is, okay, so where are the gaps in our lives? You know, maybe it is the word, and that needs to become a higher priority. Maybe it is the gospel, and that needs to become a higher priority. Maybe it's truth. Maybe, maybe you know, you're someone who kind of tells half-truths and, and fudges things a little bit. Maybe that's a step you need to take. But be thinking about and praying about what do next steps look like in whatever area is jumping out at you as one that needs some attention in your life. And as we sort of fatten up these things in our lives, our armor gets better. We get stronger. We get better protected. And we don't just do it for ourselves we do it for one another as well you don't need a suit of armor if you're heading into a pillow fight you need a suit of armor when you're going into battle and the bible says be alert don't be afraid but make sure you put your armor on as you head into this fight would you stand with me please Father, thank you for your word and the challenge of it, and, and maybe even a bit particularly challenging today. But we pray, Lord, that you will open our eyes now to what we do with this, that uh, the next steps will become very, very clear, and that as we seek to intentionally engage in these things, Lord, that our shields would get bigger, our armor would get stronger, we would be kept more safe from the enemy as you walk with us and you watch over us and you fight for us and as you fight through us. Us to push darkness back in Jesus name. Amen. We're just going to close in worship. So please join us. As we wrap up the service, just a reminder, we've got a prayer team available. If you need to be prayed over, there's folks up here that will be available that are trained specifically to pray with you. Uh, they'll be available up front. And as we're sensitive people getting prayed over, we encourage if you want to visit and connect with people that you do that in the lobby and towards the cafe, just so we can create a space here for people as they come forward to pray together. You know, as Pastor Chris talked about the armor of God, I remember years ago, as I was learning about this as well, uh, I took a piece of paper and I wrote on it, put it on your armor, and I stuck it up on the ceiling of my bedroom. And every time I woke up, the first thing I would see is the armor of God, put it on. It reminded me that we're in a spiritual battle. And I literally physically would put on the armor in an act of obedience to God. Uh, just as football players put on their uh, armor and their outfit or their protection in a football game, we need to do the same thing, but we're in a deeper battle that there's a lot more at stake. So as you go through your week, and as Pastor Chris talked about, put on your armor uh, because God is the victor and Jesus has got the victory and we should live and lean into that. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for this morning. Thank you that we can hear from your word. And we pray, Jesus, as we dive into this week, that you go ahead of us and help us know that we can put on the armor and that this battle is not of the flesh and blood, but it is in the spiritual world. Even though we may not see that spiritual world always, Lord, help us know there's a battle going on. Uh, and I pray that each one of us at this church that's here this morning would recognize what that means. We put on the armor. And for those who are trying to understand what it means to be in battle, Holy Spirit, come and show that. And maybe there's folks here this morning, Lord, that have come and their souls are in battle about giving their lives to you, Jesus. And I pray you make it very clear to them that the victory is yours, Jesus, and they can walk towards you. They can give their lives to you. And Lord, thank you for the promise that comes in you, that there's no condemnation in you at all. So Lord, thank you for each one this 
morning. We pray for a blessing and an amazing week coming up. Whatever opportunities you're putting in front of us, that Lord, we lean into you, that we walk with the power of the Spirit, and we put it on our armor. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, a reminder, if you need prayer, coming up. Have a great Sunday.